Thanks for listening. This is the first of a two-part episode in which Chris and I talk about our likes and dislikes. That is, the games we have liked most and the ones we have liked least or maybe disliked the most. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. How many? How many did you come up with for your top and bottom ten in the end? Okay. Well, before we get, I have five and five. Okay. I was. I tried to be disciplined. <laughs> I was disciplined. I've got a list of twenty, and I've got a list of. I've got ten honorable mentions, and okay, I have did, ten. Did you rank them? I did rank them. Okay. See, I didn't. I kind of oh, okay. just put them to, so we can we can um, work through it. Let's ranked. let's go ahead and talk about our gaming over this last week. How have you been? What have you been playing? You put your hands um, up. Is that seeing nothing? I, I mean, I've played one online game for my Marvel League, which is, that's 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 all that's happened at the moment. In the next couple of weeks, it'll be better. I have actual tournaments to go to. But in terms of role playing, it's just, yeah, I don't, since I finished my Fallout game, I haven't met up with my group to do any role playing or even board gaming my miniatures group of people they are playing board games but i'm like i i, I want to play miniatures with those guys um and i haven't even had time to play like board games or role playing games with with my family which normally we would do but i guess i guess we got used to it like when we had lockdowns we'd have like we couldn't go anywhere or do anything so we had time to do stuff and now it's like actually no now life's come back and it's really busy and i've got this massive list of board games for my birthday which i'm like we're not gonna have time to play any of these it's gonna yeah, be a big stack of games i can't play everything's everything's trade-off in terms of time yeah unfortunately I mean, that's just that's just it yeah i i ran uh dune this last week uh because i had this group of mine that i i got a new group that i put together of players uh, all people i've known for a number of years and have gamed with at different points except for two people they're they're new um and uh, they wanted to play Dune. So I said, okay, cool. And so I, I took the quick start adventure and I took the adventure that's in the back of the core book and I mushed them together um, mm. and used the pre-gens from the quick start. And it went okay. I mean, it was, it was fun. Um, everybody said that they enjoyed it. Everybody kicked in. There was some good in-character role-playing at the, the table, which was terrific. Oh. And... Um, and yet we all came away with this sense of there were two big issues, drive statements, yeah. which I think, I think maybe drive statements will be easier to handle when, one, players make their own characters, and yeah. two, the GM has a list of all of them, and you were there for the character creation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other issue was the whole, like, move an asset versus use an asset. And it wasn't the use, it was the move that got confusing at times because it always seemed to imply like, okay, we're going to go into initiative order because if you're moving your asset, then maybe someone else could move their asset. That's what right. it, it, it seemed like. And so there were times when, you know, a character wanted to like run to block the movement of another, not immediately, but like, I'm going to take a different route to this place on the carry all so that they can't get to the uh, ornithopter and escape. 
okay, that's, is that moving an asset or is that just moving? Does that, you know, it, it, so there were oddities with that, which again would have been uh, preempted by good actual play descriptions in the book, but we had a good time. We had, I'm not going to complain. We had, we had a lot of fun. Good. No dueling then. No dueling. And I told him right out, it's like, there's just going to be no dueling. Cause one guy was like, oh yeah, I was reading about that. It was so cool. Like, we're not going to do it. So he was fine. You can read it and then you can explain to it how it works. Yeah. But so, yeah, so it, it, it was fun. We all had a, had a good time. And, uh, good. but today we're going to talk about our, our personal preferences, our personal experiential preferences of the best and the worst games we've played. And I personally don't want this to come across as like us dragging people's uh, labors of love, that is their games, through the mud. And yet, I'm just going to be talking, this is this was my experience with the game. So if you're listening, take it for that. So since I've got more, do you want me to go through my, like, if I do my 10 to 6, and then we can do our 5s together? Do you want to start quick. with the with the uh, the rogues gallery, or do you want to start with the, the positive? Uh, yeah, I think I'll start with my positives. Okay. So I have got I have got some honorable mentions, which I just want to say so people at least can see kind of what what I had to get rid of to even get to a 10. And then I'll go, I'll do my 10 to six and then we'll and then we'll we'll join up. Okay. So um as I was doing, I literally I kept thinking of other games. And this was a great game. This is we get and my initial like I started with I started with five and my five became ten and my ten pretty much every game of twenty. Uh, and at that point, like, hey, I've, I've literally, everything I've ever played I liked has gone onto my list. So honorable mentions of things which I, I have played, um, and it's virtually always played. I can't, I'm not sure there's, like, anything on here that I've, uh, sorry, run, rather, but I don't think there's anything on there I've, like, played. It's always, I'm always the one running games. Right, yeah, me too. Uh, so some of these I've mentioned recently. So, like, the Expanse role-playing game, we had a really good fun with that. Uh, with that, it, it worked with the system really well. Uh, mm -hmm. Ironically, the actual system it uses, I think, is terrible in most other instances. But they did a good job of alternate for the expanse. Um, alien role playing game again. There's massive issues unless you buy into the whole. Uh, it's cinematic, and everybody's going to die. If that's what you play it for, like we're going to play out an alien style movie. Brilliant. It's loads of fun. I, I've genuinely had more fun playing that with anything else, but like, you know, big caveats. Um, I agree the fight, completely. <laughs> the fight role playing, which I've mentioned, where you can literally create a fighting game character from scratch and play it like a fight. It's very cool. It's very good. Again, it's very good at doing that. I'm noticing I'm pointing out games which are very good at very specific purposes and for everything else there. Um, it's like the other ones. Oh, going back to the 80s, Top Secret SI. Uh, and that was the first game I think I played that wasn't DD. Um, and we just had a lot of fun playing it. Sure. I still remember now how like my my only had one player at the time, and I remember how his character died. And this was probably like like 93, 94. So you're talking almost 40. No, that's not four years ago. How long ago is that? That's a long time ago. And I, you know, I still remember it now exactly how his character died, which I'm not gonna go into because it's bizarre. Um on a similar thing, Marvel Superheroes, the old one, the TSR one, that was great. Um, I find it funny there's now still not superhero games that I think are infinitely better than that on a similar thing. Mutants and Masterminds, I think, does what it's meant to do really well. And I've had I've had some good I ran a campaign where I I created characters like based on what the players said they wanted. And for two of these people weren't role players. This is my 
my my now wife when we were like first together and a friend of mine's his wife so these you know these are not big role players and they mm. were able to play that system and they had characters that did exactly what they wanted yeah um so yeah that was a good system and then i've also thrown on here uh exalted because exalted is one that is on here i love the setting and the system doesn't quite work if you look at my bottom 10 they are full of things where actually i still love the set but the system really doesn't work exalted i still think is is close enough and cool enough so it's more an idea i, I like the idea of it more than i actually have system uh, and the last one i've put on here is, is genesis and the star wars system which as much as I, that was the, probably the one that was closest to being in my top 10 because I do think it's a great system. I've had a lot of fun playing it, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Sometimes the right. dice are a bit fiddly. Yeah. What's your thoughts on any of them? You know, I, I th it's interesting. You, you, I think that there are some of those on the list that uh, are, maybe you would agree that they are perhaps more there for nostalgia reasons because of you're nodding exactly <laughs> and i have some on my list that fit that as well it's like this is this was it was you know there at the beginning you know it's like you were there with me at the beginning kind of thing uh and those first games or first steps into new genres if you had a good experience with it will always have that that resonance um some of them, I, I have a few of those that are that are definitely like that. But I also think it's it's important, and I will agree with you. You'll see this in my lists as well, good and bad. There are some that the setting is terrific, but the system just didn't work for yeah. me for various reasons. If you think that's nostalgic, yeah. When we when we get to my top five, <laughs> all right. Well, let me, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say. Well, I was going to start. I was going to do my ten to six, but. If there was something you were going to ask, you mean for your your top, my top, yeah. your favorite. So yours well, yours actually goes up to number one. Yeah, I've got you 10 actually is, committed to number one. Yeah, I have a number one. I have, I have a one to ten. All, All right, right so I'll, I'll just I'll just do my ten stick. But you're so, going to count down to one, right? I am going to count down because that's one. what a, that's what we do. That's okay. What award shows so uh, number ten is actually a system most people will never have heard of. Number ten is a system called Uni System. Yeah, this is, I got into this through two things. One, there was a role-playing game called um, All Flesh Must Be Eaten, which was a zombie role-playing game. And what they did was really cool with that is that the basic zombie system was great. I mean, you, you, you played a character and they fought zombies, but then they released all these kind of world books. There was like a Kung Fu book and a sci-fi book and a fantasy book. So you could yep. very easily, and then using that system, you didn't even play, you basically just could play anything in it. It wasn't, it, it, you know, you didn't really use it to play zombies anymore. It was just a very straightforward universal system. This is also the system that powered Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer still is one of my favorite ever games, mostly because of the effort I put into running that campaign where, <laughs> like I think I said in the part, like I, 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 I made my own trailer where I, I picked, we picked the character, everyone had their characters, and then we picked like famous people. So like Jack Black was was one of the was one of the actors, and I can't remember who the two female actors were. But I, I you know I put these people in a trailer and did it with uh, the Green Day song as the backing track. And I just I always That's remember. And so cool. actually, it's a lot more to do with the campaign than the system. The system was very straight. You know, it didn't get in the way. It was very straightforward. You roll a d10, you add a stat, you compare that to someone else, you you do stuff. Um, it, it it just worked, and you could do a good mix of you know you could have characters that were vampires. Or had technology, or you know, had uh, had you know, magic, or you could have the Slayer. I think we were basically run it as almost like semi superheroes. I mashed that with someone else I had, um, and you know, that was it was a good fun system. Yeah, uh, and so that's that's got in there because I had just, I really really good memories 
of of that both the campaign and how it went with it um next on that similar to why i mentioned top secret side there's a system called millennium's end now this is by far the most obscure thing this is a game i picked up i was still at university so you're talking about 96 um it was a soft thing but in the back of the book it was essentially it was a sort of near near future semi-military game you were meant to be playing like mercenaries or spies and it was kind of meant to be like the world was starting to collapse kind of felt like we've been doing that for the last 30 years actually but uh we're still not there yet um and you're you know you'd be like a troubleshooter or you're a mercenary or a spy something like that but the, the bizarrest thing is that when you shot someone in this game um they had little little targets that you would have a you'd have a picture of a little dude and you'd put this o- overlay on top of that and you'd roll your dice and if you got your accurate shot you hit him exactly where you wanted to and if you weren't then you had the chance of hitting somewhere else you could miss an accident you go oh, i've hit his leg because that's where the bullet went okay and there was really detailed rules on things like i think like blood loss I, i've never played a game before with with rules for you know, shock and blood loss and damage penetration so you know a friend of mine he he was big into his guy so he had a he had a sniper rifle and one of those big barrett things mm-hmm. and he's shooting people from like a mile away and then there's you know there's rules for the the wind and the oh, distance wow. of this and it was like properly into and it's probably probably for someone who actually knows their military stuff it was probably like you'd look at it and go this is all wrong but for me as a you know i was just in my 20s this game was amazing and it was you know it's absolutely spot on um so yeah shooting people and like you know they would die to shock or they would die to the the blood loss or they would you know their arm would be blown off and then they would die to blood um and we actually had you know so it was a good at that time we were you know that was a very that's still the crunchiest role-playing game i've played um but it did a really good job you could play you could you know camp it up and play a bit more cinematically the james bond but i still always remember um the one of my i had two players they were brothers and one of them got his brother killed because they were in a they were in a mansion. I think it was at a party, and some terrorists attacked this this mansion. And uh, they didn't really have any weapons with them. But one of the brothers phoned the other brother's mobile phone, which then went off to the terrorist. They knew who he was and shot at him. And I think they just like opened up with like a full auto through a wall, which still totally killed him. <laughs> And to this day, it's one of those things. I always just think back, that was hilarious. Unfortunately, yes, the player died, but his brother got him killed by phoning him on his mobile phone. So it's he funny got how, shot. It's funny how we remember those, those some yeah. of those moments. I mean, I've got some I'm turning over my head right now. Yeah. So what's what's next on the list as you you move your way up? All right. Next is, um, again, relatively scored. game called Through the Breach. So Through the Breach was based on a miniatures game called Malifaux. And the biggest thing about Malifaux, Malifaux is sort of set Victorian age London, but there's a, a portal through to another world, and the world is called Malifaux. It's a very steampunk, right. steampunk yeah, world. And the main thing with the card game, uh, not the, card, the, the main thing with the miniatures game, buried the lead, is that it uses cards. You do not roll dice, you use cards. And the role-playing game actually worked the same way, that you would have anything you wanted to do, you would flip a card on, but you'd have your own mini stack of cards. So you'd flip a, you'd flip a six and go, oh, six isn't good enough. Well, in your hand, you'd have, a, you'd have your own little deck of cards, and you could write, well, I need to really, I'll put my 12 on top, because it would go one to 13 instead of the picture cards. And so the system worked really well. And it was a very versatile system in terms of what you could make. Your character, if you wanted to be sort of a bit more, you'd go the cyberpunk kind of st- uh, of steampunk with like mechanical arms and stuff, you could. You could make your own spells. There was literally rules for custom crafting your own spells. So I, I want this fireball that's going to be this range, do this much, you could do that. I want to be able to summon a creature, which is sort of this good. You could do that. So it was very, very versatile. And at the same time, I was really into the Malifaux 
uh, like world of the of the like the uh, the miniatures game and a lot of the stories they did around it. So playing in that world was great. We were, our, you know, players were meeting people from the miniatures game and the things I'd read about at the same time was having a system that was really good fun to play. Um, and it, because of the 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 fact that you could sort of trump your cards that you were getting up, you didn't have that thing of I really want to succeed, but my dice have messed up. So the system it was a really good combination of system and story and setting kind of one of the things we do so we had a yeah, lot of fun a, with that that's a that's a tough one to make happen but yeah yeah what's, I think what's I, next uh what i've actually put marvel heroic role playing so as much as i said the other day it's not perfect it's still my nearest perfect uh superheroes role playing game and i think the other reason it's on here is that i didn't just use it for the superheroes you know i i converted this into a mass effect and eclipse phase so i've turned it into the other settings and other things and uh you know it was the thing that kind of started my blog the thing that really kicked my blog off was me converting huge chunks of other games yeah, and dc characters in, uh, into mhr so even though i still don't think it's perfect you know and i haven't played it in ages it's still you know i, I love superheroes role-playing games and this is the one that you know i've, I've probably spent the most time with even if it's not playing it i have spent more time writing for that role-playing game the closest I, yeah yeah to anything else uh, all right, number six is, it probably is the most recent one. Huh? It's one I've been banging on about recently, and it's one of the very few recent ones is second edition Pathfinder. Um, okay. It's as much as I have issues with the whole D20 system, this for me is almost, it's probably because it's, it's closer to, a. I feel it's close to a board game than actually a role-playing thing. That's the way I've been playing it. But it has, they've done a really good job of taking all of the stuff you like from D&D, like the different character classes and the different, well, they're not called races anymore, they're now called ancestries or something. Um, all of the all of the stuff that you like, but actually pair it to a very straightforward system, which doesn't have all the silly actions. You have three actions. Yeah. It means combat works very straightforward. Um, they've, they've split down and modifies. They've literally gone right. Either you have, you've got all these modifiers. If you have a plus two modifier, you have, say, you have a plus two modifier. Or you have a negative two. They don't stack. That you know they've, they've massively simplified it down from what first edition was doing. Um, but they've still got all the benefits. You know the the, um, the adventure paths are still out there. I don't buy them. I can't afford to buy them anymore. But for yeah. the people who want it, the adventure paths still there. The books still look amazing. You know, the art. I still love the art. Um, all of the good stuff. All the, you know the layout. Everything about it is you know it's it's quality. All right. So now, what do you want from me? Because you've gotten up to, so you have your top five best. I have my top five now. Now, yeah. see, all I did was five and five. You're not going to commit to a top to a five, four, three, two, one, then. Oh no, well, no, no. Well, I, I might, I almost could, but not quite. Um, well, no, I can commit to a number one. You can commit to a number I can one. Do that. All right. Do, uh, what do you want to do? Do you want me to do my five, or do you want to do your four and? I'll tell you what, I'll do my four. You do your four. Okay. Uh, and so, unfortunately, four of the, these four are in no particular order. Okay. I and I will that. differentiate, well, I'll explain why. I will say that uh, Vampire the Masquerade Second Edition. That's old World of Darkness still, isn't it? That's OWAD, not New WAD. Okay. Uh, that is early to mid-90s. Yeah. And I, I, that is one of my all-time favorites for, it. I can't play it anymore. I'm just not that, I, not that I was a gloomy person back in, back when I was in college, but I think there was a, there's a certain mood and maybe 
uh, like place in life that enables you to play that kind of game and enjoy it. And uh, I'm just not there anymore. <laughs> so, um, but the thing I loved about the system was that, I mean, compared to so many other systems of the day, yeah. it was revolutionary. The whole flexibility of attribute and skill and the system of disciplines and how the mechanic worked where you're determining success and degree of success with it uh, it foreshadowed a lot of the things that I love most about systems now. It, taking the system by itself, it was a terrific system yeah. for what it enabled you to do. It was You could do traditional combat, you could do social intrigue, you could do anything with it. And when you combined it with the setting, which demanded a lot of different, it, it called for a lot of different kinds of conflict. And so it needed a system that was flexible in that respect. And I also think that it, and it shares this with another game on my, my top list, the writing and the, the formatting of the books themselves, they were almost like artifacts from the world in that the, the books themselves conveyed the story and the vibe and the feel and those that married so well with the uh, with the system. I think, yeah. So Vampire the Masquerade Second Edition. Um, I think when they went to New World of Darkness and the Requiem, they ruined it. Uh, it's terrible. I don't like the system changes. I really hated the world changes. I think they watered it down. But that's not actually that's not on my top my 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 rogues gallery. So Vampire the Masquerade second edition. So full show. I could jump in on that one then because that is that is a rare system that I have never ran it, but I have played in it. I didn't play it a lot and you can tell how seriously I took it because I, and there was a vampire game going on. So I'm gonna play this. I bought yep. I bought the Malkavian clan book, the original one. And so my character we must have been running it in like the past because I convinced my character was like a French aristocrat. So I don't know why we weren't running in modern day. And I'm pretty sure he had a pet Velociraptor. Now, sure, why not? I can't work out why that was a thing. Are you I, sure you weren't playing Rifts? No, I was definitely, this was, I don't know why that was a thing. But I think it, it was one of those things I asked the GM, can I have this? And he was like, yeah, why not? Because it's just okay, like, sure. stat-wise, am I doing? I was actually, as you were talking about that, one of the other things about those original books was the art. And I just looked up, yeah, the name of the art is Tim Bradstreet. Yep. his art throughout all of those things was just was just great it really it's good. fascinating now because when i look at those books which i still have all of my books when i look at them now they are i wouldn't call them dated but i would say i i do believe that they are they are definitely artifacts of their time yeah. there's an era of gaming and and how and also that game and i don't like to use the word zeitgeist too much because it sounds kind of pretentious but it really did grab that early to mid 90s zeitgeist uh to say nothing of the flannel and leather jackets <laughs> it did that so so well so i think yeah that's that's one of my tops um another one or do you want to share one of yours uh yeah i'll go my number five, so, uh, my number five I, i'm cheating because i've picked a system which has got margin so i've put warhammer fantasy role playing which is a bit of a cheat because when I'm saying that, I'm actually saying like, well, first edition, because I remember when it was, I think it was the first game I played, which had a critical hit tables. So where mm. you, you know, you hit someone and then you rolled really high and, you know, their, their neck was seven and blood gushed everywhere. Or you took an arm off and stuff. And that was like, oh, this is so cool. Um, and then third edition, which was basically a board game, but that was the first game to use the funny dice, which then became Star Wars and then Genesis. So that was cool. And then the current version, which is based on, the new Warhammer, which is called Age of Sigma, that's actually 
much more straightforward sort of little d6 dice ball system but i i played that relatively recently we really i say play i ran it um and we really enjoyed it and again it's got some really good ideas in there so i've kind of cheated by putting three separate versions of the thing together but i've played a lot of warhammer various things over the years both in like the miniatures and a role playing and it, we've always had it's a it's a lot of good fun um and so it had to be near the top so that's number five yeah Okay, great. So I'm going to throw Cyberpunk 2020 in there. And I'll admit that looking back, Cyberpunk's system, and I think that actually the new version, Cyberpunk Red, in a way kind of suffers from this as a problem, but the system is pretty unremarkable. There's really nothing special about the system. There's really nothing about the system that ties it in a way to the world and the vibe of the world that 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 really facilitates or promotes it, aside from the fact that it sits in the background and it stays out of the way. It's a simple system. And, uh, and so, it, and, and the combat was deadly, which I think you had to have if you're going to communicate that vibe. So I think that in that respect, the system, the way that the, the combat mechanics worked, drove home the fact that this is a, a deadly and dangerous world. The thing about CP 2020 that was just, I think, over the top excellent was that those books, I think maybe even more than Vampire the Masquerade, they just oozed the attitude that Mike Pondsmith and the creators of Cyberpunk really wanted to convey. Like you read those books, especially the Chromebooks, and you could, you got such a sense of what that world was supposed to feel like and the kind of smart mouth attitude that was that suffused everything. Uh, I got to play in a long Cyberpunk 2020 campaign. Actually, simultaneously, I was, I was playing in that on a Saturday night, and I was running a vampire game on a Wednesday night. And those, those were parallel with one another. Uh, and they were both excellent, uh, really excellent. So yeah, Cyberpunk 2020, definitely, definitely on that, that list. So if you're going to nail me down to like a number four, that would be it. <laughs> All right, bring your four. All right, well, not my number four. I am going as now. Now, uh, West End Games, Star Wars. I'm going second edition because I didn't. I have a first edition book, but I came into it. A second edition came out, but this was at the point where they were releasing so many. You know, this we've said already. The system system is not perfect, but it's a good system. But the amount of really good books they release for it, so, you know, planet guides and like the bounty hunter book, the, the books for making your own ships which actually still nowadays in the in, in the the fantasy flight one they don't really do a good job on you know me and my friend sat there and we we started with YT1300 so the millennium falcon and we you know we redid it we changed parts of that ship and we moved it around and he sketched it all out um and it was all there in the rules to do it and the amount of information you know this was a time where there was only there was the three films and that was it everything else it was these guys making it up in the role playing game and since then you know, when, the, when Timothy Zahn wrote his book and people after him wrote, wrote the other books in sort of the mid-90s, um, you know, LucasArts gave them, gave them the role. That's what they gave them. Here, here's a bunch of role-playing yeah. stuff. It's, it's not canon, but use it. Uh, and they did. So, you know, those guys were right there, really sort of pioneering, building onto what George Lucas had come up with, um, coming up with loads of new Star Wars stuff, which he then ruined when he did the uh, prequels. But, you know. Yeah, we won't, we won't talk about that. So, yeah, uh, number four. Those three movies do not exist. <laughs> And they are not part of my agenda. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and make your life easy. And I'm going to say actually that, um, yeah, I'm going to put first edition West End Star Wars because I bought it when it came out in 87. And I bought the source book update. Um, 
I don't have my original copies, but I have original copies still. And um, that game was great. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, no, taken in the context of all the systems that are out there. Yeah. It has its limitations that we talked before about how the force is just really, really hard, like supers to deal with, but that system for its time was, was revolutionary in my opinion, because of the flexibility and what it enabled you to do easily. The fact that you could, you could do, uh, you know, combat fixing things or like starfighter combat and use the same system. And because not to say that because we didn't know any better because we didn't care any better or more, we would happily use it the same way. You know, we weren't bogged down in this sense of like, well, it has to be, you know, accurate or I mean, it's all made up anyway. How can you have realistic stuff about things that don't exist? You have, you need consistency, you need coherence, but um, yeah, we love that. I love that system. Uh, right. I'm going to stay with second edition, but number three, I'm going to go second edition Dungeons and Dragons. As much as I love to slag off how bad Dungeons and Dragons can be, this was the game that I played the most probably ever. So like I said, like, this, was, this was before I went to university. University was when I found things like yeah, World of Darkness and, and other stuff. But this is the game that I, you know, I had the second edition core books. Um, I mean, that's when the the monsters weren't even in a book. That was the monster, like a folder thing. Yeah. And you put extra page, like yeah, like a binder. Um, yep. And so, you know, you could buy all these extra monsters. That was when, you know, so I ran a, a thing where I went through the Forgotten Realms. I had, I had Al-Kadim. Um, we, I Ravenloft stuff kind of, we, I went into Ravenloft, made my bought Dark Sun and a whole bunch. We, we played in Dark Sun. So this kind of the period where the, the system, I mean, you still had Thacos, the system wasn't great, but you had proficiencies. <laughs> the system isn't, brilliant. it's my memories of what it was like. It, it, it let me tell yeah. decent stories. It hadn't gone crazy like third edition did where it went, you know, massive power gaming. Um, and they were introducing all these amazing, all these amazing settings, you know, like, you know, it started, it just had Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk. But w- when we got things like Dark Sun and or technically Ravenloft came out before, though, um, so many, you know, interesting and, and different things, which I never play. I, mean, I just remember how I had boxes and books of al stuff that I never got to really play, but I got to buy it and read it and just be amazed yeah. at this whole bunch of, of different stuff. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got loads of second edition stuff, which I've never, I've never used but I've read it and I enjoyed it. And it, it, you know, I still occasionally get, you know, go back and look at that stuff. My, my, uh, the city system, which was actually, it might've been the end of first edition, but for Waterdeep, where I had a, a map of Waterdeep that was literally my entire bedroom wall. You know, this thing was massive. It was like eight, it was like 10 posters size cool. things that you had to stick in the right place to put it all together. And then we played, you know, we played a massive water. Thing. I don't even remember if when I was playing second edition, obviously D- Dark Sun was different characters and I did play in Dark Sun. The rest of the time when I was running, I can't even remember if I was running the same characters all the way through or different characters. I just remember it was the Who same cares? people all the time. And I know a lot of it was jumping from world to world. So but I just have very fond memories of, of second edition in a way that I don't have of any editions since because they're just none of them are for me of like really given me the feeling that second edition did. What's fascinating about second edition is that system wise, mechanics wise, it is it is now much maligned. And I think it was like I, I owned the second edition player's handbook and the complete fighter or complete warrior, whatever it was. Uh, that's those are the only two second edition books I owned. And I think I probably might have played it 15 or 20 sessions total. I never ran it um, and I didn't like it. 
but I was also way more interested in things like Star Wars and and whatnot and and other things um, at that time. But uh, I do think it's fascinating, given how maligned it is, that all of these settings that are coming back now and some of the most iconic adventures they're kind of there's a blurry line between first edition and second mm. edition as to like where that story started but um but so much of what's coming out and is considered fresh now is actually rooted in that so i'll give you your second edition i'll give you your second edition um, I'm going to throw one at you that absolutely is a nostalgia piece, but that I am pumping life back into in two days, in a way. And that is Star Frontiers. TSR's 1982 Star Frontiers with that glorious Larry Elmore cover with the three adventurers and the crashed air, air, uh, air car in the background. Um, that, was, that was my new girlfriend. In place of first edition, like Wizards and Monsters and stuff like that, would just kind of like got got pushed to the back of the closet when that game came out. Um, And it was the first percentile system that I knew of um, because I was young and I didn't, you know, there and there weren't that many percentile systems out there then. But I played that for for a couple of years. That was virtually that, and maybe some Gamma World here and there. That was virtually all I played. Uh, looking back on it now, the rules are very dated and very clunky. Um, but uh, but I'm going to run one of the old Star Frontiers adventures starting this weekend using two die twenty oh. using the Star Trek rules yes. in place of those old clunky things. But yeah, so I, I have to put uh, Star Frontiers. Have to put that on there. All right, my number two. <laughs> Your number two. So this is a weird one that in both that is very nostalgic, but also semi-modern, and it's Torg. Now, it's entirely possible you've never played. If you have, have, you, have, you have, have played. Actually, uh, well, I'll get to Torg, but bring it. I think part of the thing with all of this stuff, most of these people may have noticed, uh, it's an awful lot of TSR. And I've realized the reason for that is that when I was a kid, the only access I had, you know, the, the, young people listening to this podcast will not get it. There was no internet. I couldn't go and I couldn't go on a forum or I couldn't go on you know, Facebook or Reddit or any of these things and learn about role players. So the only thing I did was I, I had to read Dragon Magazine. That was it. And in Dragon Magazine, you had things about, you know, things that had gone in Star Frontiers. There was updates for the Marvel superheroes game, which I knew how that was a thing. There was stuff, uh, you know, for all these other things. So I, you know, part of the reason I was I excited about second edition was I read about second edition first in Dragon Magazine and went, wow, this looks great. You felt you were like you were part of a wave. Yeah. So, sorts. and that's kind of how I got into loads of stuff. So, you know, through Dragon. So it was very rare that I played anything that wasn't TSR because I knew about TSR games and there was no way about of knowing about any other role playing. I didn't know about things like vampires. So I went to university and people went, I'm playing this new game. Um, none of this stuff, you know, nowadays I, I go on drive through and I can see the role playing. I go on a yep. forum back then you couldn't. So I have no idea how I found out about talk, but the idea of a game where okay, you've got, uh, you know, Tarzan people and, and Victorians and wizards and elves and cyberpunk Catholic priests and and demons and then you know the nile empire was pulp superheroes but in egypt like there's so much amazing ideas in there now the system was a bit iffy but even that had some cool stuff because it had you know these cards that you played to change what you did and how center was 
But one of the things I most remember from it is it had this bizarre looking D20. Now, I still, I think I still have, I may have lost it, but for years, for, for all of the Dungeons and everything else, I always had my Torg D20. And that Torg D20 is, is just pure gold. If I want to roll crits in a, it's a Dungeons and Dragons game, the Torg D20, like, you know, it, there is no way that dice is balanced. It rolls so many big things. <laughs> um, but this, you know, this isn't a game. I think I sold off my Torg stuff and then was really gutted I had. But they released a new Torg a couple of years ago, which took the system, kept bits of it, massively updated other things, added some extra, you know, more modern rules and things, kept the ideas. Um, and I've actually, I, I did get, I did get the main box. Um, I can't, I can't see it now. You can't see, you can't see myself, but it's on my top shelf. It's a big giant Torg box, yep. loads of cool resources in it. Um, and then loads more setting books. Uh, and so, yes, as much as partly it's nostalgic, it is something I have bought in more modern times and I have played a reasonable amount of that. And if it hadn't been for COVID, I would, we would have been playing a Nile empire, uh, campaign, but COVID happened and it all, because unfortunately talk is not the easiest thing to play, not in person because I need my decks of cards and, and different things to be able to play in now. So yeah. talk is my number two. All right. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm actually going to add one in. And then I'll have my number one. So I guess I have six because I because you know what you you opened the door to the nostalgia piece, and I'm fine with that. No, I I think it's totally relevant because, you know what you what you used to play and and the feelings you have from it and the memories that informs what you're you're doing now. And I'm going to say Pace Setters Chill First Edition. <laughs> I have no idea what that. Is. Oh my gosh, Chill was it came out in 1984, I believe. I read about it in Dragon Magazine. And it was a, uh, a first edition, not second, from Mayfair Games. And I have third edition, which it was from a company that doesn't exist anymore. But first edition was it captured that kind of schlock, like B-grade hammer horror film vibe so well. Oh, my gosh. It was and, and it, it was absolutely unabashed in its embrace of, you know, it. it you could run it in the modern day, but a number of the uh, a lot of the writing in the book defaulted to this uh, late Victorian kind of like gas lamp uh, era. And it was I even recognized it back then that there was there was a degree of like camp, it's a little bit like a patina of camp on it. Um, but it had some great monsters. Um, it had a it was a table based system with percentile and you roll and you cross reference on a table and that tells you success and degree of and uh and it was it was it was a lot of fun i mean you could go fight mummies and things like that and i'm not a cosmic horror kind of guy i give me a werewolf or like the creepy old lady who lives down the street who actually is a creepy old lady is like eating children or something give me that you know give me like stuff from a um like that supernatural tv show the first yeah. couple of seasons like monster of the week type stuff that's the kind of horror i like and chill just checked that box so, so it's funny you say. So I thought I, I I typed in chill to see what came up, and then I noticed there was a third edition. Of it, so I, I looked on Drive Through, and then under reviews on Drive Through RPG, the one, two, three, the fifth review is by Jeremy G. That's me. <laughs> it's you. Okay, and look, quick story, quick story, and then we'll move to our number ones, and then we'll go to the Rogues Gallery. Quick story. Um, Mayfair Games bought Chill, bought the rights to it, and they 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 made it a lot darker. The, the Mayfair version of it, the setting and the story type is way darker, and I didn't like that. The third edition was 
kind of a love letter to the first edition in a way. And the system's got some really interesting aspects to it. But the company, Growling Door Games, imploded about a year or two ago when there was some kind of, I don't want to get into this, but like massive social media-fueled cancel culture war uh. over the behavior of one of the owners of the company. And it just like, the growling door like just shut. And that was the end of it. So Chill, third edition was short-lived. They put out a couple of supplements for it. And I guess now somebody else owns it. Some some fanboy out there bought the rights and is, is uh, trying to resurrect it yet again. But the original one, which I have, uh, is, is, has got some glorious, glorious stuff in it, I think. All right, what's your number one? Um, so, I mean, it shouldn't really be a surprise based on the fact that my website is full of it and, <laughs> and we're doing a podcast on it. Bring it. My number one is 2D20. But I, you have to pick a game. If I have to pick a game, and I have written this down, I, I pick Infinity. Infinity. Okay. It, I knew you were going to do that. It is the first, yeah, it's the it was the first one that I got into, and bizarrely, although I got into a miniatures thing, it opened up this whole world of two D twenty. Was like Malifaux for you? Yeah, that then got me. You know, I went back and bought the Mutant Chronicles stuff. I also kickstart. I have kickstarted or pre-ordered every single version of two D twenty's been out. I have, you know, I have like the vast majority of Star Trek books, even though I've only played a handful of sessions. I have all the Conan books because I kickstarted them. Um, I have all the Infinity books because I kickstarted them, which I have played. But I've played a ton of Infinity and the world is great. I The, the system is amazing. Yes, yeah. 2D20, arguably, maybe Acton Cthulhu is now better than Infinity. But for what Infinity, what I want for Infinity, I want it to be a bit more crunchy and I want it to be a bit more detailed. And it does that. But if I want to go off and do proper Gonzi, gonzo transhuman people being cat people i can do that with the base system if i want to you know really cyberpunk i can do that if i want to go straight up military or fighting aliens there's so much stuff you can do with that uh and i just the, the system is great there is the books are good the art's amazing uh, you know the layouts well the light looks nice okay how they've written the book is terrible but they got better um but yeah they're, they're everything for 2d20 for me but specifically fallout and there's still books coming because you know they're really late on delivering all the books that's like literally my only criticism is that i was meant to have all the books like years and years ago well, and instead it's slowly slowly been drip feeding making them. sure you have time to read them uh, well, exactly because you know i've i I spent the first sort of couple of years just when we had time playing through just the initial adventures. And now when I might come back and play it again, I've got like another two sort of campaigns that I can run with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but yeah. 2D20. No, I'm going to go with Star Trek Adventures. And it, it's a big surprise. Now I, I am, I'm a big Star Trek fan, been a Star Trek fan since before. I mean, I, I, I grew up watching in syndication, the original series. But uh, but I love Star Trek, and this is by by a long shot. It is the most accurate depiction of the Star Trek feel and Star Trek as a unique sci-fi property. There is no system that has attempted it that's even come close compared to what the two die twenty version is. Now, whether or not I will ever get enough people to play anything over a period of time is questionable. Uh, I, for whatever bad luck, I know far more Star Wars people than Star Trek folks. And, and yeah, so who knows one of these days, but yeah, that, that is, that's, that is the top, the top of my list. It, it is a great system. I just love the fact every time I watch like a, a, one of the new Star Trek series, which I know you don't, but if I watch them and I think 
usually when I, that's how I want, I decide I want to play something. I will watch something on TV or I watch a film. I read it, but I really want to play that as a role playing game. And it's one of the rare things where I can go, Oh, I really want to play that. And there's actually a decent role playing system, which is well supported yep. that I can go and do that. The vast majority of things, Oh, I really want to go and play this. Ah, I'm going to have to take an existing system and hack it. Star Trek. No, I can literally take the Star Trek system and, and I could just run it. And if it hadn't been for COVID, we would have been again, one, another, one of the things we would have run a load of it in the last year, but it fell by the way. So one of the things that I find I, I love is you know, I understand how the system works and I, I understand how the system works in for in the Star Trek Adventures version. I challenge you to you, anybody, get the quick start, read it, get your head around how the rules work and watch a show. And you will watch, you can see the game mm. expressed in the show. It's just, it's brilliant the way that it works, like the way the extended tasks work, the way that that captures the feel of like gonzo engineering or scientific or medical solutions to problems, um, the way like complications appear. And I mean, it's, 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 it's like I'm watching somebody made a show out of a game session because it flows in the same way. So yeah, it's a, it's just a, a, an outstanding, yeah, game of that existing property. So there's my, they're my top. So there we go. It's no surprise that a mostly 2D20 podcast, right. both of our number ones, 2D20 systems, but we picked different ones. There you have it. Our top games, that is our most enjoyed games and some rationale as to why. We talked for so long though, when we got into our least enjoyed games that we decided to split this episode in half. So the next episode we will pick up and talk about those games that we enjoyed the least. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our show at fluffandcrunch.podbean.com. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H.podbean.com. We also appreciate reviews either on Podbean or whatever podcast service you're listening to. Thanks so much. 